Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome in to Center Court with Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson. I'm Jason Zone Fisher. We got a good one in store for you today. Thanks for tuning in. Ralph, how you doing over there in Virginia? All is well. Still under quarantine, but all is good. I uh, can't complain. This spikes are here. People are doing crazy stuff in the market, but uh, we in Virginia are holding it down. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm holding it down here on the West Coast. I saw a meme today that uh, said, uh, an alien came down from another planet, and he said, hey, what what year is this, 2020? Oh, that was the first year of quarantine. And the guy was like, oh, first, first year, year of quarantine? First what? Year. Yeah, oh, boy. I hope that's not the case. We are still in quarantine, but uh, the world is starting to take baby steps back to opening up, and I hope everyone out there is staying safe uh, and being smart and wearing a mask because it would be great to get back to the way things were, but uh, we're still a ways away from that for sure. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be a long haul here. We'll see what happens. It is. Yeah, we're definitely now we're in the middle of summer and we're going to hit a breaking point when fall comes as, you know, schools are supposed to open up and uh, sports is coming back. And we're going to see what society looks like over these next pivotal few weeks and months that lie ahead. Um Ralph, I, I know you're staying healthy and doing well. I'm doing the same here. Uh, let's get right to it today. We've got a great guest. Uh, Braxton Key is going to be joining us in a few minutes. He's a guard from the University of Virginia, a national champion, a reigning national champion, because they, I guess, defended their title, right? Uh, no one took the crown from them. However it looks, they they still a champion, right? Until somebody said <laughs> it next year. Who knows what happens next year? But we'll see. His senior season, unfortunately, was interrupted, as all of life was, by COVID-19. And now he's getting ready for the NBA draft. So we'll get an insider's look at what it's like for an NBA draft prospect. This is a new world, and we'll see what it's like for a prospect to navigate that. Well, you know, typically, when I was coaching Phoenix, you brought in 10 guys, 15 guys at a time for one practice. One day, they test them out. Then they get on the plane. They go somewhere else, like five, six days of row in a week and go to team to team to team. And they were on the circuit. They can't do that. They get interviewed by the team. They work out for the team. They get these questions. What They don't have to do They can't do that. They have to do it by Zoom or by in the gym by themselves. So it's kind of weird. Uh, you know, think about this. People th- think about it here all this for their career. And now they got to change it. And how do you react to that? So it would be interesting to see what Braxton says. 
Yeah, I can't wait to get into that. But first, let's find out what's new and what's good, what's happening in the world. Uh, Ralph, what's new over there for you? Well, you know, I'm looking at Mr. LeBron James and his off-the-court epic thing that he's doing. One being Mm -hmm. that he's raised $100 million for some productions that he's doing out of California, but also he is taking the voter registration very seriously. And he's not only doing that, but he's raising money for that as well. But he's opening up arenas because some areas are shutting down voting polls, right? And areas where people can walk to, which is kind of crazy. So he said, I'll figure it out. I'll just open up arenas. So I got these contacts in the NBA, Detroit, Atlanta, and a lot of these arenas now will be polled where people can go and vote. So good luck, LeBron, and kudos to you. That, that's absolutely. Uh, I know it's more than a vote initiative, which we've discussed and has been widely publicized, is doing a great thing to register voters and uh, protect the right to vote. And as you mentioned, as we've seen in a lot of these primaries, less and less polling places are open in really big districts because of concerns over COVID-19. But we need to ensure the right for people to vote. And there's a lot of empty arenas right now with no sports taking place. So it makes sense that him and his group are helping to connect those dots and open those arenas, turn them into polling places when the election comes along in November. Well, think about it. In polling places, my mother actually works at one and this doors closed at seven. If you're still outside, you're not in the door at seven, you don't get to vote, hmm. especially these smaller polling places. So arenas could be very interesting. And probably a lot of people, will, man, we got to have more more than one place to vote, right? And arena, you can have 10, but you know, social distancing is very possible there. So it makes sense to me that he's doing that. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's good. It's going to be a story that we'll be following very closely here at Setter Court as well as we get closer and closer to the fall and the election in November. Uh, I got something new for you. You know, sports are coming back, but it's going to look much, much different. There's going to be no fans. So everything is going to look a lot different for all of these sports coming back. And uh, the Baltimore Orioles and Major League Baseball, as opposed to the NBA model where they're going to be playing in a bubble in Orlando, Baseball stadiums are going to house games, but there won't be fans in attendance. So in Baltimore, the Inner Harbor Hilton Hotel that overlooks Camden Yards in Baltimore, they have 48 rooms that overlook the field there. They're going to be selling those rooms on game days for you, your friends, your, your own little quarantine bubble to go in a room and be able to watch the ball game from the hotel. Uh, Ralph, does that sound like a good idea to you? And and would you spend money to watch a team that was 54 and 108 last season? They were pretty bad. Well, they were real bad, really bad. So I don't think it's going to change. I don't think it's going to get any better. But uh, imagine in center field, I'm watching a game with no noise for the fans. Maybe Oregon may be playing. The yeah. fans, the chair maybe, but I'm in the room. I open my door, sliding glass door, and I hear the crack of a baseball uh, bat and somebody catching it. It's going to be weird to have no fan noise at all or yeah. cheers in the fans. It's going to be weird. But a hotel room, I'm not ready to go to a hotel right now. I mean, you know, I'm right. just not ready to go to a hotel and stay. I'm sure people are cleaning them and disinfecting them and all that kind of stuff as well. But I'm not quite ready to step out there yet to do that. So it'd be weird for me to do if I, if I was a fan of baseball like that. Yeah. You, you don't want to go in a hotel for any reason, let alone to watch a baseball game. It'll be interesting. I know there's actually uh, a lot of teams are looking into this because 
Fans can't be in the stadium, but maybe hotels nearby that have a view uh, from afar will give baseball fans a little taste of it. Yeah, so we'll see. Absolutely, a little taste. All right, so that's what's new, but let's see what's good. Some other things that are good that are happening right now. I'll kick this one off and go first for you. Go for it. Showtime announced that they are coming out this fall with a documentary on Kevin Garnett, and I cannot wait for this because – KG is one of my favorite players of all time. He's one of the most intense players that has ever played the game of basketball. I loved his intensity on the floor. And and as a storyteller, they dropped a two-minute trailer where he's telling stories about as a high school kid in Chicago, he was working out at a really nice gym and Michael Jordan and the Bulls showed up and they asked him to play for a few minutes and he impressed them and they said, you're good enough to go into the league like next year. You could play. And His mind exploded, and that's when he decided he was going to go straight from high school into the pros, which paved the way for a lot of other guys. He came in the year before Kobe Bryant and many other guys who did that and followed in his footsteps at that time. Uh, I'm curious, Ralph, uh, have you met Kevin Garnett? What are your interactions been like with him? And who was the most intense player that you ever played against? Well, I have to go back a little bit. So you started this whole high school thing with uh, people like Moses Malone and Daryl Thunder Dawkins, right? Yeah. I mean, so it started an evolution of that. But my question to you, Jason, would, would you – you're a Cleveland fan, right? Would you yeah. have – would you have drafted or would you have traded for Kevin Garnett? For Kevin Garnett? Yes. I, yeah. I mean, if in hindsight, it's 2020 at the time, he was the number five pick coming out of high school. And, I, you know, it, it seems now like a brilliant pick by the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I wish the Cavs had gotten him or invested in him. But – for every Kevin Garnett, there were a lot of other guys who came straight out of high school that never really panned out. They had a lot of potential, and and it just didn't work out. It was you know too soon, and and they were too raw and weren't ready for that leap. Absolutely. KG certainly was, um, and I cannot wait to hear this documentary because he's just he's such a great storyteller. The the trailer got me fired up, like I was ready to go out on a court and play. Well, not only a great storyteller, but you have to understand, you know, back in the day when he drafted i mean he, he you know family situation he took care of his sister i mean he, he had to be a man before he, had, he was a man he had to step into that role very very quickly so seeing that trailer but also hearing the story is going to be amazing to watch because then it takes me back or take him back take fans back as well of who kevin garnett really is mm-hmm. no one really knows that they see him on the court with this style and intensity and fiery play just another but you don't know who he is on the inside. So I'm looking forward to this documentary as well. Absolutely. Me too. I mean, this has been the uh, the year of sports documentaries right now to help pass this time in quarantine. So get, bring them on. I want the Ralph Sampson doc too. Let's go. I, I need them all. Not a whole lot to tell there, but it, we, we can figure that one out. We'll uh, you're there. a humble guy. You're, you're a humble guy. That's right. All right, Ralph, what's, what's good for you? Well, what's good is uh, can imagine being out of WNBA for two years, Maya Moore. Um, you know, being out and being an advocate for a guy that was put in jail at 16 years old and didn't commit, didn't commit the crime, but somebody said he did. There was no evidence. There was nothing that could link this kid to this crime. And she got him out. So cool. Maya Moore. I mean, I was talking to Nancy Lever the other day and we'll get on the show sooner or later. And she would just tell me about her story and my story and her relationship with her. And, you know, me and Nancy go way back from the older men to Virginia, but she's also being a great ambassador for young girls to play in the WNBA. And she is for Maya as well. But imagine being out for two years, just wanting to get somebody out of the situation that we're in. 
and uh, she did it. So, hey, I, I'm, I'm very, very happy for, for her and the young man that got out, but her spirit and her drive and motivation and her athletic ability is, is, is Hall of Fame status. It really is. And what she's doing off the court. I mean, think about that. Maya Moore uh, of the Minnesota Lynx in the WNBA. She's a WNBA champion. She's uh, an MVP, one of the best players in the game. And to step away from all of that, give that up to do some real good in the world uh, and and help this crusade to uh, get wrongly convicted people out of prison. I mean, that is an amazing story. Talk about a sports documentary. Uh, I want to see her story and the work she's doing. I mean, she was on. She did a great. Uh, was on TV. Great thing. There was no evidence, no hardcore evidence for this young man at all. Somebody just said he did it because they wanted to do something about it, and they finally, finally, finally got him out of jail. Wow. Well, good for her. Good. You know, it's good to have some good news these days to talk about. With uh, uh, the news can be depressing, and and that is a great piece of news. And kudos to Maya Moore on the work that she is doing off the court and using her her voice and her platform for some real change and real good in the world. Absolutely. That's great. All right, Ralph. Well, I say we bring our guest on now. It's a University of Virginia. I mean, this is home for you. Nothing better. Let's talk to the one and only Braxton Keith. Absolutely. Here we go. We're really excited to have Braxton Key, a member of the University of Virginia national championship team, and he is here straight from a workout because basketball does not stop. He's getting ready for the next phase of his career, hoping to make it to the National Basketball Association. Braxton, thank you so much for joining us here today on Center Court. Oh, thank you for having me. It's an honor. I'm excited. So, How was the workout? It was good. It was rough. Um, it was a hot gym, so um, I guess not, I don't believe in turning on the AC here, um, but it was good. I'm working on shooting, finishing, uh, ball handling, just Trying to expand my game as, as as much as possible. Jason, that sounds like old school style gym, right? You you have no air conditioning, quite had no fan. You sweat it, sweat it all out. I, I like that. I like that. That's good. It's good to train in you know tough conditions. It's going to make it much easier when you get back in an air conditioned gym one day. So uh, thank you for joining us straight from the gym, straight from a workout. Braxton, first and foremost, how you doing? This is a, a crazy year, and we'll get into all of it, the ups and downs of it for you. But uh, how how are you and your family uh, during this time? Oh, I'm I'm doing great. We're all doing great. Um, just trying to stay as low key as possible. I mean, it's difficult, like you said, with the coronavirus. Um, but I mean, we're trying to just stay as healthy as possible, um, being precautious, wearing masks, gloves, um, I guess trying to do what everyone else is doing, what they're saying on the news, what to do. So uh, everything everyone's doing, doing fine. Well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. I'm glad. And, uh, you know, your senior season was cut short from the University of Virginia. You're the reigning national champions. And we'll we'll take some steps backwards into your career and how you got to this point. But let's just start here at this point today. What was it like for you when you found out that the NCAA tournament was going to be canceled, when COVID-19 was not just a headline on the news, but something that was affecting all of our lives? And and how did it affect you? When did you first learn that news? Um, I'm trying to think. We were actually in um, Greensboro for the ACC tournament. Um, We're getting ready to play uh, Notre Dame in the second round of the tournament. we were doing our shoot around, doing our normal routine as everything goes. And then uh, right after we finished, uh, Ronnie Weidman told us that uh, the ACC canceled the tournament. 
And then on the bus, we found out that on the way home, we're probably 30 minutes from Charlottesville, that they uh, were going to cancel the NCAA tournament. So I realized my my college career was over, and I was like, wow, this is unfortunate. But, I mean, um, just have to roll with whatever uh, hand you're given and just go with it. So, I mean, it's unfortunate that it happened this way. And, I mean, I wish I could have finished out the year. Um, we thought we had a good chance of winning back-to-back. I mean, we won 11 of our last 12, eight in a row. So we thought we were playing our best basketball at the right time, and um, guys were clicking. Um, find our find our uh, rhythm offensively, defensively. Difficult, but I mean, uh, hopefully next year's team can win it, and it'll be a three-peat, I guess. So, <laughs> let's go back to the ACC tournament for a second. How did it feel? You know, when you when you warming up, I was actually en route to the ACC tournament uh, to watch them play, and I turned around. I didn't go. Uh, but how did it feel when that was announced, and you had to you were warmed up, you were in your uniform. What were the emotions of you, the team, and the coaching staff? Oh, it was difficult. Like I said, we were um, we were in a shoot around, so we were getting ready, going over their plays and going over our plays. It was then we found the news out. It was it was. I mean, the coaches felt really bad for Mamadi and myself, uh, knowing that this is our last game. I mean, other guys have another opportunity to play uh, the following season and years to come. Uh, so it was difficult for that, and I mean, it was it was very hard. Uh, the coaches feel really bad, but I mean, at the end of the day. They can't make the decisions. Uh, Coach Bennett was really ha- – he's happy for Mommy and I, and I to uh, at least play in the, uh, March ma- in the March Madness and win a national championship. So he said at least you guys did get to go out on a good note, but uh, I'm sorry that it had to go out this way. You know, you you your last NCAA tournament game was winning the national championship, and you scored the you know the last points in that game. So that's uh, that's not a bad way to go out if you think of it that way. You know, spin the the positive on it, but certainly not the way you wanted to end your senior year. Um, why don't we take a few steps back as to how you got here? I see right now you're wearing an Oak Hill basketball <laughs> shirt. I mean, Oak Hill Academy, where you uh, went to school in high school, that is a, a powerhouse basketball program, has been for, for decades now. So many NBA players have come through there. And you won a national championship in high school. I mean, you're a proven winner every step of the way. Uh, what made you decide that you wanted to be a part of the Oak Hill family? Going into my senior year, I just felt, I uh, just needed to expand my game a little bit more and just I wanted to c- compete against the best every single day. Um, nothing against my high school in Nashville. I love CPA. I love the guys or the coaching staff. It was just I felt like it to get me more prepared for college and next steps and where I want to be in my life. I just thought Oak Hill was the best uh, step for me. And I really enjoyed it. Like you said, we were able to win a national championship. Um, I learned how to win from Coach Smith, who's one of the greatest high school coaches of all time, in my opinion, um, has over a thousand career wins. So. I mean, we were just able to learn from him and just what it takes to win. And then you realize that the, the, uh, the margin between winning and losing is very, is very small. And he was able to capitalize on the very small things to make us winners. Well, Jason, if, if history repeats itself, right? Uh, there's only a few, maybe one or two that I can recall that would win a high school national title, a college national title, and an NBA national championship. Can you imagine who you know who that is? I know you're a basketball junkie. Who is that person I'm referring to? Quinn Cook. 1979. It's where you got to know your basketball here. 1979. Who is it? Ooh, well, Quinn Cook. Quinn Cook was a good guess. I mean, that's uh Quinn Cook. Quinn, I thought he, he won at Duke, didn't he? And he won at Oak Hill. And he won with Golden State. Right. So, Quinn Cook. I, I mean, I was going to say Michael Cooper. No, it's called like the Magic Man. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that guy. Yes, that's uh, right. Magic Johnson. He, okay. He won, one in, he won in high school? He won all three. Oh, well, I know you won in high school. Wow. All right. Well, that's that's a, that's a good good company to be a part of. It's not a bad company. You're, you're in the hot car. Not a bad company. So we're Absolutely. Looking forward to that. 
I, what is it like inside Oak Hill Academy? Because, you know, you, you're still just in high school. High school kids are trying to have fun. You're learning. You're taking your academics, you know, seriously. But Oak Hill from the outside seems like it's you're stepping into a professional program and atmosphere right away at a very young age. What was the difference coming from a, a more traditional high school to Oak Hill basketball program? Um, just the commitment that you have to realize that how, what it takes to be great in basketball. I mean, we we started our first uh, workout as a team as a, as a Oak Hill mile run, which is, I don't know if you heard of it, you have to run from the gym, yeah, yes, which is the top of the hill. You got to run down the hill and it's probably 0.6 miles down. And then you have to run back up the hill. And that's that's the worst part is that second 0.6. And you just have to push through it. And we do that once a week, maybe sometimes twice. Um, it's just, just discipline, understanding discipline. Uh, focus, just being committed. It's just a lot of those little, just a little things, like I said, that help you win in those uh, tight situations. How did that transition into you as a person today? And what have you learned from at least that Oak Hill experience? Because run up a hill your first day there. I mean, I know the coaches there. I know they've not been there. Take take me back a little bit, your mentality then and your mentality today. How did it change? And what do you use from Oak Hill today? Like I said, I mean, that commitment, that hard work and just, discipline i mean it's there's a lot of things you really don't want to do but at the end of the day you know you have to do uh for the betterment of yourself the team the coaching staff just the betterment of everybody and that's another that's a big reason why i chose to come to virginia in my second part of my college career um just the coaches and the staff everyone does everything what's for what's better for the team um guys are very unselfish players it's a, a fun environment to play with when you have guys who are just working hard disciplined not getting in trouble so it's it makes it a lot easier to be more successful absolutely well coming out of oak hill you committed to the university of alabama which Mm. is really known as a a football school but the basketball program has really turned around in the last couple of years uh colin sexton uh came out of there and a lot of other you know great players what made you decide that you wanted to start your collegiate career at the university of alabama I think coming out of high school, I just wanted to do something different. Um, I really love Coach Avery. I still do. I text him all the time. Happy Father's Day, things like that. Um, he actually texted me after I won the national championship to congratulate me. Um, but, I mean, I still have a good relationship with those guys. I just I just think I want to do something different. I mean, you hear guys go to all the bigger, sexier schools and all that. But I want to do something different and kind of start a trend. So, I, I guess I take a little credit for Alabama's success, but I won't take it all. Obviously, they've done a great job, great job in recruiting. Uh, now Nate Oates is there. He's doing a great job with the team, uh, getting those guys ready. And they had a great year last year. So um, I think Bama will be great for the years to come. I mean, I think they're headed in the right direction. You mentioned Avery Johnson, uh, the, the former coach there. Do you have a good Avery Johnson impression? He's got a very unique <laughs> way of speaking. Uh, my, voice isn't, my voice isn't ready. Maybe by you the can't end do this. an Avery Johnson yeah. My voice, maybe by the end of this, my voice will be ready. Okay. So come back to it. <laughs> we'll get you warmed up. Yeah, yeah, for that. Exactly. Well, after two years at Alabama, you decided to transfer to the University of Virginia. They were coming off of being the first school in NCAA history as a one seed to lose in the first round of the tournament uh, to a 16 seed. Uh, Ralph remembers that well. I remember uh, Ralph and I were together uh, doing some shows that season. And I mean, there were high hopes and then such a disappointing loss. What made you decide that you wanted to join that squad? You knew they would be hungry to come back after suffering a defeat like that. Um, I mean, I had a great relationship with Kyle Guy. I was still a great friend of mine. I mean, we talked here and there. I mean, um, and just 
besides that, I mean, I just knew what Virginia, I knew what it, I knew what it was coming into it. It's similar to OKL, I mean, it's very disciplined, very structured. Um, they're kind of by the book. It's this way or no way. And I, I think I needed to remind myself of the discipline and structure that I needed to get to where I want to be at the end of the day. And um, I mean, our, last year, it was my role was a little difficult, obviously. I mean, it wasn't the role I, that I wanted. It was not the sexiest. I mean, I was just the garbage guy playing defense, rebounding, giving minutes whenever they, whenever I was needed. And uh, it wasn't ideal, but I mean, at, at the end of the day, it helped win a championship. And um, I'm forever grateful for that. And I've, I fortunately couldn't do it running back this year, but uh, I feel confident for the guys next year. I didn't feel um, winning a national title and being on the cover of Sports Illustrated on the side, three-pointed question, really. Winning a national title and then blocking a key shot in a championship game in the corner, blocking it and not fouling the guy. Mm -hmm. uh, those three things were <clears throat> very impactful to the championship uh, of uh, the, the final game. How did that feel? When you, I mean, you look, you look back now, you probably didn't know it back then, but you look back now, what do you think about all that? I mean, first of all, playing in the national championship game, it's a dream I've had since I was a little kid. I mean, you think about it, you, you hear about, I mean, these football stadiums being sold out all basketball and you don't, you don't realize how big it is until you're actually on the floor and playing. I mean, I went to the final four in Atlanta when um, Louisville was playing, I think, I think Syracuse, Michigan and Wichita State were playing in it. And um, I remember how big it was, but when you're on the floor, like I said, it just, it's massive. Um, and then to make that block the night before, I mean, and that huddle actually, all the coaches were saying, just don't foul, don't foul, because they were in one on one. Even if we, the touch foul would have been one on one, so the game probably would have been over the way they were shooting that night. And then Kyle, and I obviously two nights before, got fouled for the three. So it was everyone, everyone's mind is not to foul. And I just went up just to try and contest it. And I thought, saw an opportunity where I could block it. So I just went for it, and obviously uh, I blocked the shot, and that uh, took it to overtime. We were able to win. So, I mean, just it was a great experience and all, and then to be on cover of Sports Illustrated was just icing on top. I mean, it was something I dreamed about, obviously, to be on the cover of it. And to be on it with Dre, it was very, very uh, – I have a poster of it in my, in my room. Yeah, actually, exactly. So. <laughs> cool. That, that, that uh, really very, special. Very special. A uh, very special thing. And I know Ralph, of course, being such a, a legend at the University of Virginia, you were there to get to witness that that game and that moment. And uh, is it true you guys found each other after the game? And uh, I read uh, an article that said, Braxton, you, you went up to Ralph and you said, you know, this is for you. What, what did that mean to, to share a moment with Ralph after that game? Oh, it was, it was great. I mean, obviously growing up, we've all the kids in the family wanted to be better than him. I mean, that's some, it's a tough, tough feat to be, obviously. I mean, he was a great player in his, in his time. I think if he played now, he'd struggle a little bit. The five is no longer, no longer relevant much in our game, but um, no, I mean, it was, it was special that we were able to do that. I know how much he put into the university of Virginia for his, not just playing, but now after and it was very important just that I found him and we were able to have that moment together. You know, we couldn't shoot three-pointers when we played. So, <laughs> so it relative, I had to take a little offense with that because that could be I'm the first Kevin Durant that ever played, so it was all good. But, yeah, we couldn't shoot three. Then our three-point line was inside of the top of the key by two feet. So it wasn't a three-legged end today. We created the three-point line in the college basketball. And, you know, what the dunk wasn't there when I first got to high school. It was there at college, but it wasn't there either. And then big guys only could play the post. So it was totally, totally different area. But today's game is different. Uh, we all know that. And you can only shoot threes and get up down the court. you got to play great defense, though, and make it work, which you do. So I'll talk about that, but also allude to Tony Bennett's style, because I know a lot of people didn't like the style of play 
Uh, I remember Malcolm Brogdon as well. Didn't like the style of play. We sit down after and say, I hate that style. I don't get free. But he went to pick and played really well. And now look at where he's at. So it's amazing Rod, to see. Where, what do you feel about Tony's style that can help you in the NBA? Uh, obviously, it's a difficult style. I mean, it's not the most fun to play part, to be in. But, I mean, it's built to win a championship. I mean, I know people say a lot of his – Offense isn't built to win in March, but I think it is. I mean, it's it's not ISO ball. It's not one man dominating. It's not someone coming off pick and rolls. It's team basketball, and we feed whoever's the hot hand, whether it's Mamadi, myself, Dre, Kyle, Ty, Kiet, whoever it was. We're feeding the hot hand more so and um, just letting them kind of make plays for, the, for themselves and the team. And then off a of block remover, it's hard to scout that. I mean, it's guys, especially Kyle, running around full speed, coming off the man to shoot threes, Ty running off, Dre. Everybody just coming in, running off the screen. You can't really scout that. Um, but I think to the next level, it just teaches you that you can play any role and you can be very good in any role. I've never, in my whole high school career, I've never been off the ball. I've always been, even at BAM, I was always on the ball, getting rebounds, pushing it, playing in transition. But it, teach, it taught me discipline offensively and how much more skilled and fundamental I need to be on in the half court sense of offense and how important it is to have a good jump shot and just little things that um, you'll need for the next level. Beyond just the X's and O's, uh, and the style of play that Tony implements, what makes him a great coach as a motivator and a leader in the locker room? Um, I mean, the, the Tony Bennett you guys see in, on game days is a lot different than what we see in practice. I mean, he's very fiery, very competitive, um, very edgy. I mean, he, he gets after us, and especially def- defense and effort are two things that he won't. They're non-negotiables, as, as we say. Two things that nobody will give go for. Um, so... You have to bring it every single day. You have to bring defense because those are it's just effort, and we work on it every single day. And um, if you're not bringing that, then it's 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 not looking good for you. But uh, I think that's what makes that sets them apart. It's just defense, effort, playing hard, being a blue collar team. He always speaks on that, and then just just being a hard nosed team. I mean, he doesn't want got a team full of soft guys that feel entitled or feel like they're too good or whatever. He he wants us to be full speed at all times. So I think that's what. Sets him apart, honestly, from most coaches. I mean, no, he's a disciplinarian. So give me a couple of things that you can think of that taught you uh, outside of basketball by Tony Bennett and the staff. I know it's just basketball related. His defense is geared for the NBA style. His offense is a little bit slow. Everybody hates it, but it's effective. But I know he's a teacher of life. What did you learn from him that maybe transitions into who you are today and who you will be when you come to the NBA as a young man growing up as well? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I just say his just every single day, just his just what he brings every single day, just his his focus, his commitment, and being consistent. I think he's big, he's really big on just his consistency, as, and then he he speaks he speaks on it a, bit, a little bit, but for us to be consistent and just whatever we do. But he's a he's a he's a role model in that. I mean, he comes in every single day, has a positive attitude. He's not one day one to coach us hard, the next day not one to coach us hard. If someone gives a baseline, it's He's going to get mad at you Monday as well as he would Friday the day before a game. So he doesn't, he never wavers on how he'll, how he, how he is as a person, as a coach. But I just think that consistency is, is huge and uh, he doesn't favor any players. I've seen him get on, on Kyle. I've seen him put Kyle on the green team one time, Dre, Jack. I mean, he's, he's gotten on everybody. So in the walk on. So he doesn't really, he doesn't waver. So I think that's also great to see that no matter who you are, he doesn't play favorites and he's consistent in who he is. 
Well, your senior season, unfortunately, as we mentioned, was cut short. You were playing great starting in 25 of 27 games. The team really starting to hit their stride. You're averaging 10 points, seven and a half rebounds, leading rebounder on the squad. Uh, and you guys were competing, ranked 16th in the country after losing four starters from the national championship team and really poised for uh, a run in March. What? How much harder is it to try and defend a national championship than to try and just go win one? Because the team that you first joined was so hungry after the defeat that they had in the first round of the NCAA tournament to get back to that place and reach the mountaintop. But then once you're there, it feels like it's much harder to to stay there. Because how do you how do you find that same hunger to do it again versus when you've never been there before? I think the hunger is, is still there no matter what. Um, I mean, our, the first year, everyone you hear everyone talking about, oh, Virginia's not made for March. Tony Bennett is not a coach in March. It's guys are hearing the same thing. We lost the 16th seed everywhere. Every every away game, we hear a UMBC chant. We hear we could be we could be beating a team. Somebody, I can't remember one game that year at, at, on the road. And we were winning by 15 points. The game was over. They started chanting UMBC, and it's like, what are you really? What are you guys trying to prove? You guys lost. So um, at, at the end of the day, I mean, it's the the hunger is there. And then this year, we're coming into the season. Oh. Kyle, Ty, and Dre are gone. That's 80% or whatever it was of our scoring gone. Jack's gone. It's So it just fuels everybody to be better and greater for the following season. Um, unfortunately, we dropped three games in a row early ACC play. And at that time, everyone was writing, off, writing us off. Our fans saying, oh, this we're just taking this year as a light year. We're excited for next year. Um, Sam's coming in. Just all the fluff. It sounds great. And we all sat down. We're like, guys, we're going to change our narrative. This is not what we want, to, want the season to be. And um, Mamadi and myself, we led a, led a team meeting and it, it changed from there on. And we just started winning and clicking. And unfortunately, had we just won one more of those games, we would have been probably first in ACC. Uh, but yeah. we finished second in a year that everyone expected us to finish mediocre, a sixth, a sixth seed in ACC. And t- fan, some of our fans saying, even if we miss the tournament, I'll be okay. And it, because we won the Natty. And we, we took all that as, as fuel and motivation to make us uh, hungrier. So I, I think the hunger will be there. I think the hunger will be there for the guys coming next year. And the year after that, because once you win that natty, like you said, it's it's just a constant thing. People want to beat you. You have everyone's best shot. Take take me inside that meeting. I've been in players meetings and, and, and team meetings. You know, sometimes it gets a little heated and sometimes it gets a little bit of just animosity where you think you're the leader. But being a senior, take me a little bit deeper in that meeting, because I know you and Mamadi probably would lead the charge and Kihei and all the young guys. So the young guys had to step up. How do you how did you lead that meeting? How did you? How did that meeting come about? You just said, let's have a meeting, or coach said I had a meeting, because some coaches don't like their players to have a meeting. How, how did you and Mamadi lead that charge? Um, I think, well, we lost to Boston College, which I still <laughs> yeah, I I can't, believe, <laughs> can't believe we lost to them. Then we lost to Syracuse at home. It was a tough one. I mean, they went they went to overtime, and they went they hit, I think, four or five threes. So that was a tough one. Mm-hmm. And then we lost to NC State, and after after, after that one, me and Mario were like, all right, we, we came together after 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 one of the after that game, we lifted with it was all of us lifted after every normal after every game every home game, um, and we just talked. We were like, listen, we have to get the younger guys. We have to figure this out. So we decided to call a meeting. I think it was that Wednesday or Thursday after practice. Um, we all sat down. It was probably actually it was I think it was our off day. The next day it was our Tuesday. It was our off day. Everyone came in, and we just all just. Uh, a lot of words are exchanged. Uh, some guys are frustrated. Some guys are frustrated at the, the captains, the seniors. I mean, guys are going back and forth. But at the end of the day, we had just asked everybody, what can you do better and what aren't you doing good enough right now? 
to help that to help the team and everyone just took accountability. And I think that was the main thing is that we just need everyone to take accountability for their actions and what they were doing wrong to be and see what they were doing better and say it in front of the team. So they're not, there's no insecurities. And there are some guys who are practice players and like, we need you guys to push us harder in practice. And one, one major thing that we got from it, Jaden Nixon actually said, he's like, it's, it's sad because I'm the, I'm a walk on and I'm the first one in the gym every single day. So right. I'm working out, getting up shots. And he's like, I don't even play. And he's like, I wish I could play, but, and then he's, he, once he said that, I think, it changed that changed the whole and he's a sophomore whose oh, yeah. only minutes are really garbage minutes and for him to say that i think it woke up a lot of guys and from then on guys are getting in I mean, we were always getting in earlier like 15 minutes before practice but then it turned into 30 minutes some guys are getting an hour just getting in some work and just working on their game and being able to take that accountability of okay i'm not shooting the ball the way i want to so let me work on something else let me just do this better so Guys are t- learning defense before practice, after after practice with some coaches. So it just guys are able to take accountability from that meeting, and I think that's when things started to change. We won eleven, like I said, eleven to twelve, eight in a row, and we were playing our best basketball all season. Well, it's great that you were able to turn it around. It's unfortunate how things had to end, but at least you were riding the ship before that happened. Uh, obviously, we already talked about it. Coronavirus changed the whole world, the sports world, the collegiate world, uh, all of our lives, uh, and affected you and. You know, here we are now in July. Uh, the NBA draft should have been in June 25th. Things are a lot different this year where the NBA is about to restart their regular season and then the postseason. What has this process been like for you uh, now as you prepare for the next chapter of your basketball life and career? Uh, it's obviously no no guys have gone through something like this before where you're you're having meetings via zoom with nba teams you're doing workouts in isolation you're you're just trying to adapt like the rest of us but as uh, an nba prospect can you take us a little inside look at what the world is like for you navigating these uncharted waters um well for me personally i try to be positive in, in any situation i feel like being negative is just not conducive at all um so i i found out that well, I have extra time to work out, so I can work on shooting. I can work on finishing. I can work on strengthening my left hand uh, handle, uh, finishing with my left hand. Just things that I wasn't able to do, I guess, as well this year due to having a broken wrist. Um, so I'm able just to work on all aspects of my game, and it's giving me more time just to strengthen and lift weight, just little things. So I'm taking that for, to be positive. Um, but like you said, I mean, I'm meeting with teams via Zoom, and it's it's kind of weird, I guess. I'm, they're asking me questions and whatnot, and I'm. <laughs> trying to answer them as best as possible. And I'm hopefully I'm saying the right things, uh, but it's, it's weird. I mean, hopefully I think right now the goal is if the NBA is able to, the bubble is actually able to work and they can finish that season and finish the, uh, the um, postseason. They might have workouts and maybe a combine and a similar bubble like situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no, there's no definite answer yet. They kind of want to see how the NBA season goes first before they make any uh, decisions regarding the draft. So go back a second. You, I find it amazing as well, I know you pretty well, that you come into your senior year, you break your wrist, right? Senior year, though you don't want to register, you want to play your defending national title. From that to the NBA draft. So it's been a crazy, crazy year from that to Kobe Bryant, to the pandemic, to not playing the NCAA tournament. How did you persevere through all that personally? Because it's, you know, beginning of the season was not fun, I'm sure, when you broke your wrist. I mean, how do you, how do you, what, you I mean, mentality is strong. So how did you manage that mentally? Like I said, I'm trying to be positive about any situation. I mean, it's, everything's happens for a reason. I mean, um, it's, it's unfortunate that I broke my wrist, um, but I can't 
dwell on it or be mad or blame it. Uh, I'm not one to, I can't make, I'm not making shots because of my wrist or anything. I mean, I'm still, still my right hand. I shoot with my right hand. I don't shoot with my left. So it was unfortunate that I wasn't able to shoot the ball as, as great as I wanted to this season. Um, but I didn't dwell on it. I didn't let it get to my head or anything like that. So I kept playing basketball. I kept doing whatever I could do to help the team win. Um, had to be more of a glue guy, be more assist guy, rebound, defense, um, and just do whatever it took to win. And that's that's what I, that's just the mentality I had every single day, do what it takes to win. Do you realize how that will help you mentality-wise in the NBA? I do, but do you realize how that will benefit you when you play at the next level? Absolutely. I mean, I I'm a, I feel like I'm a, I'm a natural-born winner. I mean, I've at Oak Hill, won a national championship, won a national championship at Virginia. Um, I'm, I'm just – I know how to win. So, I mean, I think that that'll definitely help and translate to the next level. You have a lot of former teammates from high school and college who are in the NBA. I'm curious who some of the guys are that you keep in touch with and what advice they've given you about this next step in your career and the process you're about to embark on. Um, I haven't asked for much advice. I kind of just want to do it my way. And just <laughs> once I, once I get there, I think we'll have more conversations, but um, like I said, I mean, I have a few relationships with a few guys. Um, I think relationships will probably get better once we're on the same level. It's kind of different. It's kind of difficult to be friends with certain people in life when you're not on the same level. I, I, maybe I'm just that way. It's, maybe I'm weird. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it, it's difficult for me right now just in that in terms of that. So um, I guess I haven't gotten much advice or asked for any in that, in that aspect. Wow. It's amazing to me how uh, mentally strong you are and positive. I mean, I, I know that me personally, it, it's not been easy dealing with all the cancellations of, of work, of life, of travel, yeah. of plans. Uh, it's a journey and, you know, it's a lot of ups and downs. Where do you get this from? Your, your positive outlook. It really is <laughs> inspiring, uh, you know, because I think for all of us, we all have, uh, you know, better days than others, but um, mm -hmm. you've you've dealt with a lot of adversity uh, in your uh, personal life, professional career, and I'm just curious where where you get this outlook from. That's a good question. I don't I don't know. I guess I don't. Things don't really upset me. I guess as most people get upset, and I just I guess I I don't know. Maybe it's like Aquarius in me. I just think about what's the point of getting upset. Like what is, what good will it get? I mean, sometimes in basketball mm -hmm. I get upset, and I, I can use that or things. Things off the court get me upset, so I kind of found channel that to my basketball. Um, but in certain situations in life, getting upset just leads to negativity, and negativity leads to not good results, I guess. So being positive, it just, I mean, I don't know. I'm spending more time with my girlfriend, hanging out, hanging out with my dog. So I don't know. I just, I'm enjoying the quarantine, I guess. I'm, I'm glad now that restaurants are open. That's, that's <laughs> a plus. <laughs> Go eat that cook. Yeah, that that's. Cook. That's been one of the major issues, I guess, in the whole quarantine for myself. So transition a little bit with that mentality. You see the Kobe Bryant situation, you see the pandemic, and you see the riots and the movements now around the country. You mm -hmm. see the NBA is coming back, and they're going to have Black Lives Matter on the court, et cetera. What, what's your opinion about all that? What's your, what's your take on from the Kobe Bryant, it's been a crazy, crazy 2020, right? We need mm -hmm. to hit restart and start all over again. What's Man. your take on all that? Um, well, first of all, I mean, Kobe passing was was rough. I mean, I've watched Kobe since I was a little kid. I mean, I, I obviously don't have a relationship with him, and I wanted to get in the gym with him at least once in my career. Um, but, I mean, for him to pass, I remember we were it was after the Wake Forest game, and I remember Anna Bennett was, like, around our locker room, Coach Bennett's daughter, mm -hmm. and she's like, Kobe passed away. I was like, there's no way. I thought she was kidding. I just, it didn't, it didn't, at first when she told me, I just didn't, I guess, register it. And I just like, there's no way. It just, cause you, you see these people who are just larger than life icons. You don't see that. You don't seem 
they don't seem they seem untouchable i should say you don't think they die you don't think they get hurt you just it was, it was kind of crazy it set me back and then with all this um with the black lives matter movement i think it's i think it's been great i mean it's it's spoken a lot about just injustices and people about are able to wake up to certain things i mean the state of mississippi has had that flag for forever and now that they're changing their flag some schools are taking out uh, fight songs um and richmond they're taking down i think stonewall jackson just got taken down yesterday um they're trying to take down robert lee statue i think that's it's great i mean those statues i know some people want to say oh they're representing just whatever they represent but at the, at the end of the day they were fighting for slavery and and <laughs> it may sound stupid they technically lost the war so why are we celebrating a loser in a way so <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know most countries you, you celebrate a winner um we celebrate whatever so i mean i think it's, it's brought a lot of just a lot of just awareness to to the world um what uh, african americans go through every single day and it's it's it's, it's been a great movement for all ethnicities all whether you're lesbian, gay, LGBTQ community, everybody's been able to have a voice and have a reason to speak out. So I think it's been, I think it's been great. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think there's a lot of hope in, in the youth, in these future generations, in, in young uh, up-and-coming athletes like yourself, because people are more uh, open and uh, accepting, and, and that's mm-hmm. good. And I think that uh, this hopefully this this old regime of the old way of thinking and a lot of these racist ideals are are dying off that's you know get, come on board with the way that we want to be here in this exactly. country or 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 else because this is the way that we're moving so i'm glad that you're you know a part of that as well uh you talked about quarantine and what you're doing both to stay in shape and stay active but to pass the time i saw on twitter you watch jerry Maguire. You you said that hands down it was the best movie you've ever watched. What have you been watching? What have you been doing uh, away from the game of basketball to pass the time in quarantine? And and what made Jerry Maguire uh, feel so compelled? You need to get on Twitter and say this is the greatest movie you've ever seen. I don't watch. I don't tweet much. I mean, I, I try to stay low key off Twitter. I mean, and Instagram. I'm not a big social media guy, but no, that was that was a really good movie, Jerry Maguire. I mean, he, that was a great movie. He's been good and did a great job, and everyone did a great job in that movie. Um, it was a lot longer than I thought it would be, but it was a really great <laughs> film. Um, other than that, I mean, I'm not really, I don't watch much TV. I'm watching Billions on Showtime. Mm. Uh, it's a great it's show. It's just, yeah, it's a smart show. I, I like smart things. It just, it just uh, stimulates my mind a little better. I'm um, reading a little bit here and there. Um, trying to think what else I do in my days. I walk my dog. Uh, <laughs> it's just yeah. very simple days. I mean, I'm not really doing too much of anything, but I'm just trying to take care of myself and be smart with everything. So. And read. I'm reading more about coronavirus, just the news, certain things. Certainly, and of course, you know you're you're in the gym. You just came from the gym, so we appreciate you spending some time with us here today as you get ready for the next phase of your your basketball career and prepare for uh, if there is a combine and the NBA draft, which as of right now looks like it'll be happening in October. What are some of the things that teams are asking you? What do they want to know about you and uh, during these? Uh, NBA uh, scouting interviews that that you're mm-hmm. taking part in. Um, the main thing that right now I guess they're asking is where do I believe that I could fit on their team. Um, my agency does a great job in writing up a, a report for me before every interview, um, letting me know the strengths and weaknesses of teams, what they what their what tendencies of guys I like to go after, and what kind of they're looking for within guys that are my position. So they do a great job in 
pretty much give me what give me the blueprints of what to say um it's like a cheat sheet i think i have to, yeah. have to remember it before i go on live but um i appreciated that but i mean there's asking me what can i do to help um areas of improvement um basically what how's my wrist how's my body feeling um shooting because my shit mm-hmm. my shooting was terrible this year and i can admit that it was it was rough obviously but um just working on it they're asking how what i'm doing differently and just things like that so well the, the wrist injury might help your nba game right because uh the shooting went down because of the wrist so that might be a negative in one respect but a positive in the other one so we'll see what happens with that but it's good to good to hear that they are at least talking to you about who you are and your character and your agency is uh really stepping up to give you the tools you need to, to do those interviews as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, one I final mean, question that we like to do here on Center Court is uh, a little segment called Pay Homage. And we want to give you an opportunity to give a special shout out and pay homage to someone in your life who helped you get to where you are today. Uh, it could be a family member, a coach, a friend, a teammate, anyone, maybe someone that just like really helped you get to where you are, or maybe they just inspired you in some way. So is there someone you want to pay homage to, Braxton Key? Uh, that's tough. I'd say I'd like to pay homage to my high school coach in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, Drew Maddox um, at CPA, Christ Western Academy. Um, he believed in me before. Honestly, I thought I could, I would be, I thought I was going to be a football athlete, a football standout. And I mean, he believed in me. He picked me up, take me to workouts in the morning. We have open gyms, um, just speak life into me. And just when I had tough times, he would just be someone I could talk to, lean on. Um, just, he was a great guy. I mean, he's, Still is a great guy. We keep in touch here and there, but uh, definitely a go to Coach Maddox for sure. Mm. Yeah, also always great high school coaches out there, which is good to hear that as well. He had great high school coaches, great college coaches as well, and hopefully a great NBA coach will be on the horizon. Correct? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> That's right. Well, Braxton, thank you so much for joining us today on the Center Court Podcast. We really appreciate the time, and we look forward to following the next steps of your career and your journey and seeing what other movies that you're watching. We'll be following <laughs> you on Twitter for that. Watch the billions. Watch the billions. <laughs> yeah, watch the billions. <laughs> All right. Good luck, Braxton. Thank you so much for having right, me. Man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Well, Ralph, that was great chatting with Braxton Key from the University of Virginia as he gets ready for the next phase of his career in the NBA. Uh, you know, what must this be like for him? I mean, you you've been through this draft process as a player and then uh, a coaching experience as well at the NBA level. What is it like for a guy like this in normal circumstances, let alone what's going on right now with COVID-19? Well, as you heard him speak uh, during the interview, He's grown up, uh, you know, he's come a, 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 a nice young man uh, from his, uh, you know, from Oak Hill to Alabama to Virginia. I remember times speaking to him about the course season. I hate this part. I hate this part. I said, you, you want to understand, enjoy this ride, enjoy this journey. I can remember and recall doing the final four run. He hated to play that way. Malcolm Brogdon hated to play that way. Until I said, you don't understand. Michael Brock is one of the happiest people in the world right now because as he transitioned from the, the University of Virginia basketball to the NBA with the Milwaukee Bucks and Jason Kidd taught him about the game of basketball. I tell him you in a great situation. Now to be in a max player that you know $86 million at the NFL basis, I think he's a pretty happy young man right now. So, <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Black people do well. I mean, it's crazy, right? Braxton will do well, and uh, I, I wish him all the luck in the world. I think I know he's a hard worker, but the transition right now is not normal. 
it's just totally different and uh, just got to get through it. Just got to get through it. Well, he's got an amazing outlook. Uh, so positive. You know, you hear him say there's there's no sense in not being positive. You can control that and negativity isn't going to help any sort of situation. And he definitely lifted my spirits because, you know, I, I got it pretty good. But still, I, you know, I have some bad days dealing with everything that we're going through uh, with quarantine and covid and what's happening in the world you put on the news it's it's depressing but uh hearing from braxton and his positive outlook was definitely uplifting so i'm glad we could chat with him yeah we try to extract some of that i mean instead of the fluff right you get you got you're gonna have bad days but he will bounce back fairly quickly so i'm proud of him yeah absolutely well i'm excited that sports are coming back it's going to be a, a fun thing to watch and it's also i think going to be very important to see how professional athletes continue the conversations that extend beyond sports about social justice and everything that's happening in the world right now. So I see it as a great opportunity for those messages to continue and amplify. And sports, as we've discussed, is a great unifier. It brings people together. And even though we won't physically be able to be in arenas and stadiums this summer, just to have that communal experience of watching live sports, rooting for our favorite teams and players. I can't wait. And we're getting closer and closer to that day. Uh, it's going to be great. Is, is there one team, one player, one storyline, one thing you're most looking forward to as sports are starting to come back? Well, you know, without sports, without the normal lifestyle that we've all had, you know, for our lifetime, it could be interesting in a few areas. One, the sports and fan interaction just from television. Um, I was looking at some of the things that the NBA is doing. They could say, well, we might have to censor because the guys will get on court. There might be some curse words. There might yeah. be something going on, right? So we may have to censor some of the areas as well. So it'll be interesting to see how the NBA professional sports itself roll out their game. Baseball, I mean, imagine that many people in the stadium, but it's so big and it's going to be dead. Uh, you can hear a crack of a bat. You might hear the catch of a ball. Basketball, you can hear the, sh the shoe squeak on the court. You can hear the players, you know, go at each other. You're going to hear some really tr good trash talking more than likely at that point in time as well. Just think about it. If Gary Payton was playing today and we were in COVID, <laughs> it's, oh, it's a wrap. Isn't you got to censor the whole freaking game. So it's games would have to be on HBO, I think. Oh, you know, my like, God. Let's get yeah. the uncensored version of what he was saying. But but people going to be – fans going to be hungry, right, to watch something. Other than yeah. CNN and the news, they're going to be hungry to want to do something at home or, you know, that restaurant they go to a little bit, but they're they, they going to be hungry. So it's interesting to see what happens. And I think it's going to be uh, a wild ride for a while anyway, with not only just the professional sports, but college football is coming around the corner as well. So it's going to be tough to, to figure out what, what's going to happen with that. But we'll stay tuned to it. We'll say we'll keep everybody up to date. That's right. I can't wait. A lot to talk about uh, over these next couple of weeks and these next couple episodes. We're going to be getting more into that previewing the return of sports, the return of MLB, the return of the NBA. We have some great guests lined up, so you don't want to miss it. Be sure to tune in and don't miss an episode of the Center Court Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And stay tuned and watch it on our social media channels, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook on Center Court 50. That's right. Ralph is a social media maven over there. He's a rock star. He's tweeting away a storm. I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to get there. Yes, that's right. So make sure to follow us. And 
Really, from the bottom of our heart, we thank you so much for listening. There are thousands and thousands of podcasts out there, so it means a lot that you've decided to listen to ours. Since you've made it this far, if you would do one more step for us, it would mean the world. Be sure to just like us, subscribe, leave a five-star review, and uh, write a little something about your in the comments section. Uh, it means a lot to us, and it actually helps our podcast as we are just starting out grow. So thank you so much for listening and doing those things. Uh, a big thank you to our team, KT, LA, Pam, Kathy. For Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson, I'm Jason Zone Fisher. Thanks for listening to Center Court. Stay tuned for more coming soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.